0: If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1. Seventh-day Adventism, true or false? The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity From Tradition to Truth, A Priest's Story an Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement Mormonism Counterfeit Christianity Turn or Burn Jehovah's Witnesses Deceived Deceivers Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the homepage, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left hand corner. Then click on the newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason
1: for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. and welcome once again to our program. I'm Larry Wessels, your host. I'm the Director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas. And I'm happy to be with you today as we bring you another Christian Answers Presents program. This one happens to be on essential Bible doctrine. Now, it's important to know what the Bible, what the Bible teaches about the essentials of the Christian faith. Because if you're out of step on any one of them, then you're just not a Christian. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You must adhere to these essential Bible doctrines to be a Christian. And when you fail on any of these points, then you are you don't even make first base on being a real Christian. Now, I'm sure a lot of people watching this program will, maybe they're agreeing with me at first because they don't even know what they are at this moment. But as we go through these, Essential doctrines Uh, will start to weed out the unbelievers who probably don't think they're unbelievers, but they would disagree with some of the tenets here that we're going to bring up. These these essential doctrines. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, always made a big deal about doctrine. Doctrine being very important. Just uh, do a uh, research in your concordance on doctrine, and you'll see how important it is to believe the doctrines or the teachings of what the Word of God says. So, I'm going to uh, introduce the show with a a pamphlet that I think is very helpful, and it's by Rose Publishing. And here it is it's It's Key Christian Beliefs: Essential Doctrine Made Easy. And uh, this has been written this has been written by Doctor Norman L. Geisler once again, published by Rose Publishing. And I'm going to use this as a a starting guide to uh, these essential Bible doctrines. Uh, But I think what's important to note here as I begin, uh, Dr. Geisler has missed two very important essential Bible doctrines, which I'll point out. And I'll keep you in suspense unless you want to... Usually in our videos these days, we start putting in time markers. Because most people out there only have a 10-minute attention span. So they can't just sit and listen to 20 or 30 minutes worth of good Bible teaching. It's too much for them. You know. They're used to something short and quick and not too deep. Uh, but, uh, so we put time markers in our videos so people could skip quickly to get to parts that they may be interested in seeing. Uh, but if you're a, a true lover of the Word of God you'll watch the entire show from beginning to end and not worry about the time markers. And that way you can uh, take it all in because uh, in my case, I've never had that problem. When it comes to the word of God, I love it and I love to learn it and get into the deep things of God. And unfortunately, most people are shallow and that's why they can't live the Christian life. They don't learn the word of God. They can't live by the word of God and they they, they certainly don't love the word of God because if you love something, you're gonna it's gonna captivate you. Uh, but if you don't love it, well, it shows. All right, now with that said, let's take a look at what we have here in this pamphlet. As you'll see it on your screen, I'll just be kind of reading through this and uh making sure you understand what's being said here and point out anything I want to point out while we go. Uh, okay, so on the, the First page of this, it says, What do Christians believe? What are the key doctrines of the Christian faith? The core teachings of the Bible have defined Christianity for 2000 years. Virtually all Christians who seek to have a faith that is biblical hold to some form of these basic doctrines. Christians may not always agree on how they work out the details of their faith, but they would agree on the essential doctrines. These core truths. So, yeah, there's, like he's, he's mentioning that there are essential doctrines, which is what we're going to discuss in this particular program, and then there's non-essential doctrines. You can disagree with other Christians, good Christians, that may not agree with you on end-time Bible prophecy, for instance. You know, you may have a premillennial dispensationalist uh, believing in a in a rapture uh, on a, based on a tribulation period, all this kind of stuff. Or you can have another Christian that believes in, in uh amillennialism, let's say, and there's just different versions of end time Bible prophecy. So you can disagree on that kind of stuff uh, without it being considered essential. Uh, but these things we're going to get into are core truths. They're essential. And you must believe them if it's, or if you're even going to be considered to be a Christian, Okay, let's continue here. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. And, of course, that's one of the famous sayings. And the footnote to it there is you see the footnote number one is down at the bottom of page one there. Okay, we can identify the essential doctrines of the Christian faith by looking at the core truth of the gospel which is a salvation of humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation, as God has revealed to us through his holy scriptures, is defined as forgiveness of sins and everlasting life with God by confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 10.9. By examining the gospel message, we can identify 14 doctrines that are necessary for salvation to be possible. What are the essential doctrines? The essential doctrines of Christianity have to do with who God is, who Jesus Christ is, God's love for people and his desire to save them. Below are the 14 essential salvation doctrines that have to be true in order for anyone to know God and be saved. One, God's unity. 2. God's triunity. 3. Human depravity. 4. Christ's virgin birth. 5. Christ's sinlessness. 6. Christ's deity. 7. Christ's humanity. 8. The necessity of God's grace. 9. The necessity of faith. 10. Christ's atoning death. 11. Christ's bodily resurrection. 12. Christ's bodily ascension. 13. Christ's intercession. 14. Christ's second coming. In addition, two more essentials define how we know about salvation. 15. Inspiration of scripture. 16. Method of interpretation. Okay, now on page 2, he goes into the essential doctrines in the creeds. And you have the Apostles' Creed there. The essential doctrines are reflected in the church's ancient statements of faith called creeds. Creeds are short summaries of what the Bible teaches. The Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was one of the earliest statements of faith crafted by Christian leaders to clarify basic beliefs. All 14 essential salvation doctrines are contained in it. Each doctrine is indicated by bracketed numbers. Nine Equals Essential Doctrine, number nine. I believe, number nine. In God, number one. The Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, number six. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, number two. Born of the Virgin Mary, four and five. Suffered, ten. Under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, number seven. And was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. Number 11. He ascended into heaven. Number 12. And sits at the right hand of God the Father. Number 13. Almighty. From whence he came to judge the living and the dead. Number 14. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, and that means universal church, not the Roman Catholic Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness, that's number eight, of sins, number three, the resurrection of the flesh and life everlasting, number 14, amen. That was the Apostles' Creed. You also have the Nicene Creed. You have the Athanasian Creed. And I'll read that one because we've actually quoted that in one of our newsletters on the Trinity. The Athanasian Creed emphasizes the deity of Christ and the Trinity. In addition, the Athanasian Creed was directed against many heresies, such as tritheism, belief in three gods, monophysitism, belief in the confusion or commingling of the two natures, nestorianism, belief that the two natures are independent or loosely united, arianism, belief that Jesus is created and not divine. That's like what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Adoptionism. Belief that Jesus was merely a man who was adopted into the Godhead as son. Apollinarianism. Belief that Jesus is partially human. Annihilationism. Belief that some souls are destroyed. And Universalism. Belief that everyone will be saved. And of course you also have mention there of the Creed of Chalcedon. In addition to the other essentials, that chalcedonian creed stresses the triune godhead the virgin birth of christ Christ's humanity and deity as well as the eternality of the son before all time okay the first essential doctrine of the bible number one god's unity there is only one god he has always existed and will always exist there is one and only one god creator of the universe what do I actually need to believe? You need to believe there is only one God. What's at stake here? Knowing the only true God, John seventeen three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. That's Exodus chapter 22 and 3. That first verse was from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Isaiah forty three, ten through eleven. Essential doctrine number two, God's triunity. There is only one God, He exists eternally in three persons. In the Bible, the Father is called God, Second Thessalonians one, two. The Son Jesus is called God. John one, one through five, John ten. 30 through 33, John 20, 28, Hebrews 1, 8, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. The Holy Spirit is called God. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. He is one substance, but three persons in relationship. There are more than 60 passages in the Bible that mention the three persons together. In fact, anyone that wants to know about that, can see our video playlist that covers the trinity and dealing with non-trinitarians and we have multiple videos there that will get into this in detail the bible passages proving everything that we just saw here in this little pamphlet okay going on from there as soon as jesus was baptized he went out of the water at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. You have all three mentioned right there, as in the previous passage. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, that's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. There's just a few of those other passages that were mentioned. Okay, essential doctrine number three, human depravity. Since God is a personal being, he wants personal relationships with human beings. Human depravity means that every person is spiritually separated from God, totally incapable of saving himself. When Adam sinned, he died spiritually, and his relationship with God was severed. Additionally, all of Adam's descendants are dead in trespasses, as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says. Without a new birth being created anew, no one can enter life. John chapter 3, verse 3. What do I actually need to believe? We are sinful and cannot please God by our own good works alone. We can never be good enough. What's at stake here? When we try to deal with the problem of separation and death on our own terms, we will fail, resulting in eternal separation from God. And as the scripture says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. End quote. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Okay, essential doctrine number four. Christ's virgin birth. Jesus was born as a result of a miracle. Mary, Jesus' mother, became pregnant without ever having sexual relations. The doctrine of Jesus' virgin birth is not primarily about Mary's virginity and miraculous conception, though this miracle fulfilled a preordained prophecy, Isaiah 7.14. The reason it is essential has to do with God's supernatural intervention. Our sin is not merely something we do. It is who we are. It is inborn. Our depravity is transmitted to us from our parents. Psalm 51.5, 1 Corinthians 15.22, Romans 5.12-15. through 15. Because God interrupted the natural birth process, in the case of Jesus, Jesus did not inherit a sin nature. In other words, Jesus not only did not sin, he had no inclination to sin, even when tempted. He was perfect. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus became a human being through a supernatural conception in Mary's womb. What's at stake here? God's supernatural intervention in order to break the chain of sin. And you can see it there on your screen. Pause the screen if you want to. I'm going to just mention it's in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. You have the reference right there. Stop and read it, and then we'll move on here. Okay, number five. Christ's sinlessness. Christ was born of a virgin. He did not suffer the effects of a sin nature. Throughout his life, Jesus remained sinless. Because of our sin, we could not have a relationship with God. But because Jesus did not sin, he was perfectly able to represent us, stand in our place before God. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus was perfect. It's amazing to me how many people in the world say they believe in Jesus, but then they think he's just a mere man or like the Muslims think, you know, he's, he's just a, a really good prophet, but he was just a man after all. Uh, but he, he was better. He's not, certainly not God and things like that. And there's all kinds of, tons of beliefs about who Jesus is or what he did. But in, in the biblical case, you must believe that Jesus was perfect, sinless, never made a mistake. Okay, from there we move on. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5:21. For we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 22. Now all these things flow along and they're all interconnected as we move through this, this, this track that we're looking at, this pamphlet. So we come to essential doctrine number six, Christ's deity. The only way for humans to be restored spiritually to God was for God himself to build a bridge across the gap of separation. So God, while retaining his full God nature, became a perfect man in Christ in order to bridge the chasm. If he is not both God and man, he cannot mediate between God and man. First Timothy chapter two, verse five. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus is in essence God. He is divine, not just a good teacher or a righteous man. What's at stake here? Jesus's ability to save us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God John one one. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Colossians two nine Deity means God. But about the Son he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Hebrews chapter one verse eight. A direct reference to Jesus being God right there in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. The Jehovah's Witnesses really hate that one. But anyway, uh, number seven, Christ humanity. Jesus was also fully human. Jesus got tired. He slept. He sweated. He got hungry and thirsty. Without being fully human, Jesus could not pay the price for human sin. He needed to be divine to have the power to save us. And he needed to be human In order to adequately represent us, Christ had to be both divine and human. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus Christ was fully human as well as fully divine. As I always say when I'm out on the street or wherever I might be uh, preaching the gospel, uh, I always tell people Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God at the same time. Homo he, he was he was all together. He wasn't two parts. He was 100% of both at the same time as one person, son, the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Okay, now with that, confidence in Jesus' ability to fully represent mankind in atonement. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us John one fourteen Essential doctrine number eight: the necessity of God's grace because of human depravity, we cannot save ourselves. It is by God's grace alone that salvation is possible. God has right to call humankind to account for sin. However, by His grace, undeserving people will be united in fellowship with him and avoid judgment without God's grace. No one can come into relationship with God. Relationship with God is peace, joy, and eternal life itself. John seventeen three. What do I actually need to believe? God and God alone is able to rescue us. What's at stake here? Our relationship to God and eternal life. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Ephesians 2 8 and 9, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John fifteen five. he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Titus 3, 5 through 7, it does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Romans chapter 9, verse 16, essential doctrine number nine, the necessity of faith. Faith is trusting that God can and will save us. No one can earn salvation. No amount of good works can ever repay the debt that is owed to God. However, by trusting in him and thankfully accepting his gift of salvation, we can be united with God. Faith is an act on our part, but it is not a work. Faith is trusting God to do what we could not do for ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Titus 3, 5. What do I actually need to believe? That faith, not works, connects us to God. We're saved by faith, not of works. What's at stake here? Whether we want to be judged by what we deserve or with God's undeserved favor, which is called grace. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Essential doctrine number 10. Christ's atoning death. The penalty for sin is death. Not only physical death, separation of the soul from the body, but also spiritual death, separation of ourselves from God. The penalty we owe to God was paid by Christ through his death on the cross. The acceptable payment had to be perfect, complete, and without fault. Christ, the perfect man, gave himself in our place so that whosoever believes in him will not die physically and spiritually but have everlasting life. John 3.16 What do I actually need to believe? Only Christ's sinless life, sacrificial death, and bodily resurrection. Can bring us to God. What's at stake here? The unique nature of Jesus' work of salvation. For even the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark ten forty five. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 1 Peter 2, 24. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, First Peter 3.18. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14.6. Essential doctrine number 11, Christ's bodily resurrection. The atoning death of Christ paid for our sins, but the process was not complete until he had defeated death by being physically resurrected in the same body. That's John 2.19-21. through 21. Because Christ is the victor over death and the prototype of a new glorified physical body, all of humanity will be resurrected and live forever in either heaven or hell. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus rose bodily from the grave. What's at stake here? The proof that Jesus conquered death. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans 4.25 if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans ten nine. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Luke 24, 39. Now, one thing to point out here is a lot of people uh, say Jesus is Lord. The Mormons say that. Jehovah's Witnesses say that. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists say that all kinds of religions out there say that Jesus is Lord. It's just uh, the fake TV preachers, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, all those all those quacks on uh, giving false gospels and false theology on TV. They all say Jesus is Lord. I think Kenneth Copeland in his big auditorium, he has he has it on the wall there. But yet, he, say, he says God's about six foot two. <laughs> it weighs a couple of hundred pounds. I mean, he has a completely different gospel. So, just because you say Jesus is Lord doesn't mean you have these other essential doctrines we already discussed correct. So, keep that in mind when you, you see things like this, because all these things have to come together in accordance with what the Word of God is teaching uh, to go with the flow here, you'll understand as we go through this, this, this pamphlet. But uh, there's a lot involved here with true biblical salvation. Uh, so let's continue. Essential doctrine number 12, Christ's bodily ascension. Christ died for our sins and was physically resurrected for our salvation. Then 40 days later, he was taken up, ascended bodily into heaven because Christ has ascended to the Father. The Holy Spirit now guides us, shows us where we are wrong, and comforts us when we hurt. Jesus going to the Father means our life is kept safe in heaven with God. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus ascended body and soul to God. What's at stake here? The Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away, unless I go away the counselor Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go I will send him to you. John 16:7. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Luke 24:50 50, verse 50 and 51. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Essential doctrine number 13 Christ intercession. Christ's bodily ascension allowed him to serve as our mediator or high priest before God. In God's presence, Christ prays continually on our behalf. Like a lawyer defends someone before a judge, so Christ defends us before the bar of God's law and against the accusations of Satan, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. What do I actually need to believe? Christ represents our best interests before God. What's at stake here? Assurance that my prayers are heard by God. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, Hebrews 1.3. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Hebrews 7.25. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 1 John 2, verse 1. Essential doctrine number 14, Christ's second coming. Just as Christ left the world physically, so he will return in the same manner. His second coming is the hope of the world. When he returns, dead believers will receive their resurrected bodies. Believers who are alive when he returns will not die, but will be transformed into immortal physical bodies. Christ's bodily return on earth will be visible to all and believers will rule with him in his kingdom and live with him forever. Those who do not believe will be separated from God's goodness forever. What do I actually need to believe? Jesus is coming again soon and we should be ready. What's at stake here? Our hope of being together with Christ. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Matthew 24:30. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Revelation 22:12. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3:3-4. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Luke twelve forty. After Jesus returns, believers will enter conscious eternal blessing and unbelievers will go into conscious eternal punishment. We have a playlist on this, on uh, unpopular Bible doctrines and hell and eternal torment and all that type of stuff. You can see it there on your screen. That's as real as God is real, as Jesus is real, as Satan is real. Satan is presented as real in the Bible, as Jesus is. So why would you ignore one and not the other if they're all intermingled throughout the whole the whole text of the Bible? So I mean, it's that simple. So, uh, so I just want to throw that in here at the part where there's a lot of people that gets they get squeamish at eternal punishment, but uh, that's what. That's what the Bible teaches. So that's what we got to go with, you know, because the Bible is inspired. It's the inspired word of God. And we have plenty of videos that prove that from the scripture themselves and from what Jesus said. Jesus said the scripture was inspired from God. So are you going to call Jesus a liar because you don't believe the scriptures are true? Anyway, so you have eternal life and you have eternal separation. How do we know about essential doctrines? We know about the essential doctrines through the Bible. However, the inspiration of Scripture as a doctrine is not necessary for salvation to be possible. People were saved before there was a Bible, and some people are saved without ever reading the Bible. The Bible is, however, the only divinely authoritative foundation that makes the plan of salvation knowable. Now, here on this part of the pamphlet is an interesting look at things. It says, how other religious groups treat these essential doctrines of the Word of God here. Okay, so we got these 14 right here, as you can see going down the page. And, you know, God's unity, God's triunity, human depravity, Christ's virgin birth, and so forth. Now we compare that with some of these other groups out there. We just pick a random four here. We got the Latter day Saints, that's Mormonism. We got Jehovah's Witnesses. That's the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. We've got Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, which is science fiction, basically, a science fiction religion. And also Christian Science, Mary Baker Eddy, who came up with that in the 1800s. Another mind science phony religion. Anyway, when you look at this chart and you look down at the bottom of it, it says if it's got a, if it's got a green diamond, uh, it means uh, accept. If it's got a, a, a pyramid, yellow pyramid going up, it means they redefine the terms. Or if it's got a red circle, they deny it. So when you're looking at the Mormons on these essential doctrines, you see that they deny at least three of these 14. They redefine six of them, and there's really only four of them they affirm. <laughs> That's not a good track record, four out of 14. <laughs> they, they're blowing it. And then it starts to get worse and worse as we move through here. Jehovah's Witnesses, they agree on God's unity, but they deny his trinity. They agree on these next few points, but then they deny that Jesus is God. You see there on number six. And then they redefine the necessity of God's grace. They they add a lot of works into there to you gotta go around and share Watchtower magazines with everybody. Uh, as part of your works to get saved through the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, so forth. Uh, but then they deny all these key doctrines down at the bottom Christ's bodily resurrection, Christ's bodily ascension, Christ's intercession, and the second coming. Okay, now you look at Scientology, they deny almost everything there is. So uh, so if you remember uh, Top Gun, this movie star named Tom Cruise, he's big into Scientology. And uh, I think there was another guy, another movie star who's famous for being in Scientology, uh, also, John Travolta. So uh, anyway, they deny almost everything there is about Christianity. So and the same thing with Christian science, they either deny it all or they redefine everything. So that gives you a good example. And when you start looking at all the different religions, you can start weeding them out big time. Because really, all it takes is denying just one of these. And you're lost. You're 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 not in the Christian faith. You're you may claim to be a Christian, but you're not. And it's because you don't believe these fourteen essentials. And of course, we do have inspiration of in Scripture's key to this, because you don't get these essential doctrines without it coming from the Scriptures, which are inspired by God Himself, is breathed by God, as the Scripture says. Okay, so now let's look at the glossary here. And I'm not going to read all these things, but it may be useful to our viewers here to look at this this uh, final page of this pamphlet, just to get a description of terms, which may become useful for you. So I would recommend that uh, at this point, you just kind of, uh, if you want to, to have time, since I'm not going to read it all, to just uh, hit the pause button while you're watching this YouTube video. Just pause it. Screen will sit still for you, and then you can just read what all these terms are, which may help you in your Bible study. So, anyway, we completed Dr. Geisler's pamphlet on essential doctrine made easy, trying to clarify it all, stuff like that. Now, you know, this is a professionally put-together pamphlet. And, of course, mine predated his. And, of course, here's my unprofessionally... (laughs) I actually use this on some of our live TV shows. Uh, back when we used to do them on cable access TV back in the 90s and early 2000s. and uh, So just to keep it authentic, I'll have this put up on the screen. I said at the beginning of this program I was going to bring up a couple of things. I felt like, although Dr. Geisler, and just to be fair to him, had mentioned something about the gospel here early on before we got into the essentials but uh, he was right that a lot of these essentials are part of the gospel uh, but uh, one of the essentials i believe is the gospel <laughs> you have to believe the gospel to uh, uh be in the faith i mean that's as simple as that i think he did he kind of had it a precursor and kind of made all these things part of the gospel but the gospel itself is found for you in First Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. I've got a King James Bible here, and it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand. Verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, regardless, ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This is how important the Scriptures are. Verse 4. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And uh, that is a key, essential doctrine. And you get more about this down in verse uh, 12 through 17. So I'll uh, leave that to our viewers here to read that, that particular passage uh, there, just further down on the page. And you can also go to uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 for additional information here. So I think Dr. Geisler should have put the gospel itself in as one of the essential doctrines of the faith and uh the reason for this is uh the fact that you must not preach another gospel <laughs> in Galatians chapter one verses six through nine it says "I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another." But there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed." So, if we also combine that with Second Corinthians, chapter eleven, verses three through four, we read, "But I fear lest, by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you received another spirit." Which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And then he goes on to talk about angels of light and false prophets, people from the devil, Satan. You'll find that later in a chapter. So uh this is these are dire circumstances here. Now I went into a big detail here because that was one of the main places I, my list differed from uh, Dr. Geisler's, although he didn't mention the gospel, you know, but not in the way I'm mentioning it uh, on this list. We'll look at my list here real quick, although a lot of it matches off to what he had. You can see there, I'm not going to read, I'll just read the main essential doctrine, but uh, the Bible verses are there for you, and we already quoted some from the other uh, pamphlet. You must believe, number one, you must believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. Two, you must believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, that they, that he's God in the flesh. You must not deny the Trinity or any member of it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all your verses are there. You must not question the existence of God or deny the existence of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 uh, I've always liked what Dr. R.C. Sproul said about how atheists have their own special day on the calendar. It's April the 1st, April Fool's Day, because the Bible clearly says if you don't believe in God, you're a fool. (laughs) so, So you must believe in God as an essential doctrine. Okay, you must have faith. Number five, you must not preach another gospel. And I just went into all that. A moment ago. So that's got to be on the list. That is an essential doctrine if there ever was one. And all these cults and false religions out there, they all have different gospels. Islam, you know, you got to march around that Mecca, uh, go around the Kaaba seven times or something like that, And, and all these other things that are necessary for your salvation to go to a a sensual paradise with virgins and all this type of stuff. For more information about Islam, see our playlist called Dealing with Islam, Muslims, Sunni, Shiite, Alawites, Sufis, with 98 videos on this subject. I'm just guessing maybe Dr. Geiser didn't put the gospel itself in as part of the list of essentials as... uh, but I'm just, this is speculation on my part. It's the fact that Roman Catholicism violates the gospel because they have a completely different system of salvation. The seven, the seven sacraments you must go through. Uh, their Jesus is is another Jesus. It's it's a, a wafer of bread that literally at the mass turns into God Himself or Jesus Himself, and you must worship that piece of bread as. I mean, that's just rank idolatry. You're not supposed to make anything on earth as God himself, but that's exactly what they're doing in the transubstantiation. Uh, and one time, one time I had a discussion with, uh, Dr. Geiser. He called me up on the phone. Well, no, either I called him or he called me. And we had at least two conversations on the phone from his seminary and, uh, he actually sent me his tapes and everything about Roman Catholicism and he's trying to justify it. And uh he said, Well they believe in the Trinity and they believe Jesus is God and, and things that but I said to him, But they have a different gospel. <laughs> the gospel's not the same because you gotta do all these works and you gotta confess to it. One of the things you have to do to get saved is you got to confess your sins to a priest. And 98% of Roman Catholics don't confess their sins to a priest. We even have a video on that. Here's the video. Just watch that. That's right according to the, the canons of the Council of Trent and also uh, the other catechisms of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, confess your, But 98% of Roman Catholics don't confess their sins to a, a priest. So, anyway, that's a false gospel when you got to do all these things. No, the only thing that you need to remember. Is not that you do all these works to get saved. Ephesians 2, 9, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, as was quoted here, is that you must have the proper gospel that will, uh, which is in Christ alone by faith alone. Concerning uh, Norman Geisler, years ago, I put together a video analysis of Norman Geisler concerning. Roman Catholicism. And the video is called Analysis of Hank Hanegraaff and Norman Geisler versus Walter Martin on Roman Catholicism, part three. So there you'll have an in-depth review of Norman Geisler's position on Roman Catholicism. But anyway, the key to the gospel, and this is where Geisler's Essential Doctrines pamphlet, which is very good, except to thing He basically leaves out the gospel itself. And what we have here, if you see in this chart, are the five solas of the Reformation. The five solas of the Reformation. Sola Scriptura, sola Christos, Sola Gratia, Sola Fide, Sole Dio Gloria. The reformers of the 16th century were moved to put their livelihoods, homes, fortunes, and lives on the line to restore to the church the essential teachings of the gospel. These have come down to us by five Latin phrases. Translated into English, they teach that salvation is according to the scriptures alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Repeating... Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Solas Christos, Christ alone. Sola deo gloria, glory of God alone. Sola scriptura, scripture alone. Now, as you look on this chart, pause your screen to read all the additional information I'm not reading to you. But one thing you can look at right now, quote, when the church loses its understanding of these rallying cries of the Reformation, it loses the gospel, end quote. That's a quote by Jason Haloplius, author of, quote, These truths alone, why the Reformation solas are essential for our faith today, end quote. And so, as you see, each one of the main truths of the Reformation, the five solas, You can read that other information that's there alongside that just by pausing your screen and we'll zoom in on each section and you can read the additional information that goes with that. I would like to present one of my favorite preachers, Dr. R.C. Sproul, from his message, from his series in Galatians chapter 1, particularly Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, another gospel. So here's Dr. Sproul in a very informative message on how important and essential the true gospel of the Bible is and why it must be included in any review of what are the essential doctrines of the Bible.
2: You hear at home in your house, father and mother and children sing and speak of the gospel. The preacher speaks of it in his parish church. You ought to lift up your hands and rejoice that we have been given the honor of hearing God speaking to us through His Word. But now people say, huh, what is that? After all, there's preaching every day, often many times every day, so that we soon grow weary of it. What do we get out of it? All right, go ahead, dear brother, if you don't want God to speak to you every day at home in your house. in your church, then be wise and look for something else. In Trier is our Lord God's coat, in Achan are Joseph's pants, and our blessed lady's chemise. Go there, squander your money, buy indulgences, and the Pope's second-hand junk." And he said, aren't we stupid and crazy, once we've discovered the blessed gospel that came out of the darkness and into the light in the Reformation, how soon, even by the end of Luther's life, people were returning to relics, putting their faith not in the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved, but in Joseph's pants the pope's secondhand junk. Luther said, it's the pants of Joseph. That's what'll do it. Well, at least there were 29 years between the posting of the 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg and Luther preaching his last sermon. Of course, there had some time that had taken place between the theses and Luther's last sermon. But it wasn't a long time. Perhaps it wasn't as short a time as it took for the Galatians to depart from the gospel, as it took from the people of Germany to go back to their vomit like a dog, and to put their trust in indulgences and relics rather than in Christ. We live in a time today where there are very few Protestants who have any understanding what it is they're protesting. And frankly, very few Roman Catholics who have a clue about what Roman Catholicism teaches, even in this very hour. And if you would say, as I have said to students who've been in the ministry for five years and they're doing their doctoral work, and I assemble them in the classroom, and I say, okay, you men of the gospel, you ministers, let me go to the blackboard and write down the elements of the gospel. And I ask the pastors, what is the gospel? And they'll say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. God gives you a purpose-driven life. Or God forgives your sins. Or God gives purpose and meaning to your existence. And I I wish I could save you the papers that the clergy write on this topic when I ask them to define the gospel. it's rare if I can find ten ministers and could find more than one of the ten who could define the gospel. I don't know what it is. It may be true that Jesus forgives your sins, and it may be true that you have purpose, and it may be true that you have meaning. You have All those things are wonderful, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is a distinct message with a distinct content, that has to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ and how the benefits of His person and work are appropriated by faith and by faith alone. So now Paul, in his amazement, says, I can't believe it, that you so quickly. And he uses the word to desert. How quickly you are deserting him. And I don't think he's speaking of himself. He's not saying, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting me, but rather deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and that him is God himself i can't believe how fast you have deserted god how fast you've betrayed christ how fast you have left the gospel and are turning now To a different gospel. This particular phrase indirectly raises a question about the inspiration of the epistle to the Galatians, because there's an error here, plain and simple. Paul rebukes these people for turning to a different gospel, but in the same breath he corrects himself under the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that there is another one. <laughs> I, mean, just, I can't believe you're turning to another gospel. Oh, <clears throat> there isn't another gospel. There's only one gospel. If you ask me to embrace the teaching of Rome today or the Judaizers of the first century, I would sleep in tomorrow morning, because the Judaizers then and Rome today, neither one of them, have a gospel. There's no message of the free offer of grace and justification by faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone to be found in Rome. You're not going to find it in Trier or Aiken with Joseph's pants either. If you told me that my salvation depended upon my faith and my works, God's grace and my merit, Jesus' help and my response, and if I die with the slightest blemish of sin on my soul, I don't go to heaven. But I have to go to the place of purging, the fires of purgatory, will cleanse me until I do have enough merit and righteousness to enter into the kingdom of God. I would not receive that as good news. No, the good gospel, the good news is the basis of my salvation is not my merit, not my righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ freely imputed to all who put their trust in Him. This was the issue in the sixteenth century. This was the issue in the first century. This has been the issue in every generation of human beings who think that they can add something of value and merit to affect their salvation. When the only righteousness by which we can ever possibly be saved, Is an alien righteousness, a foreign righteousness, a righteousness that is apart from us, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, hey, you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Did you get that? There is no other gospel. There's only one gospel. Now, that flies in the face of everything that you've heard that is politically correct. This defies political correctness. As soon as you affirm exclusivity, saying there's only one way to God, only one Savior, only one gospel, you fly in the face of political correctness and risk your reputation in the process, but Paul doesn't hesitate. There is no other gospel. And then he wants to give some emphasis to this when he says, there's some who trouble you, and here's what they want to do. They want to distort the gospel. Take it out of focus. Blur it. Confuse it. Allow the sharpness of the Word of God to be left clouded in vagueness and uncertainty. That's what these people are trying to do here, these Judaizers. They're distorting Twisting, misshaping the gospel. Now, let me just stop for a second. So what? Doctrine divides. Who cares? What does it matter what we believe? Remember, I told you that this apostle was an apostle who had unbelievable tolerance and patience and long-suffering with his congregation, who said that there was a love that covers a multitude of sins. You said something, got you covered. You know, most churches don't break up over doctrine. They, they divide over what color you painted the church basement. Trivial matters. But for the Apostle Paul, there was nothing trivial about the gospel. And God forbid that anyone in this room would think that the accuracy and the truth of the gospel were a trivial matter. Well, so, exercise is God's apostle that he says this, some want to distort the gospel, but even if I wanted to do it, even if we did it, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now listen carefully to what Paul says. If John comes along, if Peter comes along, if James comes along, if St. Andrew comes along and tries to distort the gospel and teach you a different gospel than the one you received, even if I do it, may God curse you. Or even if it was an angel from heaven, why didn't he say, if even it was an angel from hell, we would expect a demon to come onto the scene and try to undermine the purity of the gospel. as sharply as they possibly could. But Paul says, no. Even if it were an angel from heaven, even if Gabriel came into your church this morning and tried to preach to you a different gospel, what does Paul want you to do? He wants you to take Gabriel by the seat of his ethereal pants and throw him out of the building. If an angel from heaven would preach to you any other gospel, let him be anatema. Anathema. There's a word that is not just translated, but transliterated easily into the English language. Anathema. This is serious business. We don't play with the gospel. We don't negotiate the gospel. We don't sugarcoat the gospel. We don't distort the gospel. If we do, we invite nothing less than the curse of God upon our heads.
1: By the way, for our viewers, when it comes to Roman Catholicism, we have a playlist called dealing with Roman Catholicism, idolatry, and the Virgin Mary, with 222 videos on that playlist produced by us over the last bunch of decades just on the subject of Roman Catholicism. So you'll find there ex-Roman Catholic priests, ex nuns multiple debates by me and others with Roman Catholic apologists, all kinds of vital biblical information dealing with the subject of Roman Catholicism and how it doesn't have the true biblical gospel within its theology. It's not necessary these seven sacraments, or go around the Kaaba Ka- Ka- and Mecca, or, or go to a Jehovah's Witness convention or a kingdom hall uh, to get saved through the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, or go to Utah and go through those warming rituals and get your holy underwear and all that stuff. You don't need to do all those things to become saved. You don't need to keep the Sabbath day in order to attain your salvation at the investigative judgment by Ellen G. White's Jesus. According to their religion, you got to if you don't keep the Sabbath day, uh, then you can't get your salvation. So it's all these all these false religions are missing it. Tom Cruise misses it with Scientology. <laughs> uh, so that's the main stress I'm I'm going here and where I disagree with Dr. Geisler that he should have put the gospel itself in there as an essential, uh, which is basically by faith through grace you're saved and not of works and in Christ alone. And that is what counts, not all these other things that people add to it. All right, with that said, let's continue my little list here. Number six, you must not believe in other gods, and that's what a lot of people do. You look at Hinduism, for instance, you know, like 370 million gods. Uh, They got a god for everything, and, of course, animus over in Papua New Guinea. You know, they're worshiping trees and the spirits in the trees and all this type of stuff, so there's all this polytheism everywhere. So you, there's only one God, and you must believe in that one and true and living God, Isaiah 43. So far, the verses are all right there. So, Okay, so you must believe in the Word of God, and that is, of course, the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, Jesus himself said that uh, the, the Word of God is true, it's from God, it's uh, God-breathed, and we have a video on that. You can see our videos on that right here. Okay, next, uh, number eight, you must believe that Jesus is the Christ and uh, he's the Messiah. He's the one that you must put your faith and trust in to be saved because he's your mediator. He's the one that's going to argue your case before the judge, God the Father. And uh, admittance to heaven is going to depend on your faith in him and his atonement for your sin. On the last day. If you deny him, he's gonna deny you. That's how it works. So anyway, next we have uh you must not deny repentance from sin. Jesus said in uh Luke six forty six, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? <laughs> what kind of Lord is that? You 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 do all kinds of evil things and think that uh, you you're shooing with God just because you say Jesus is Lord, like we talked about a little bit before. He's if He's your Lord, you've got a you know it only follows that you do what He says to you. This doesn't mean you get your works, but if you consider Him Lord, and you really believe He's Lord, then you will want to do what He asks you to do, or actually commands you to do. <laughs> you won't you won't say, "Well, I'll take it as a suggestion." Uh, I remember uh, Ted Turner to got it and set up. Uh, c n n and all that stuff a flaming liberal atheist secularist uh anyway, he called them the ten suggestions they're not the Ten commandments to him they were just ten, but see that's what a lot of people that claim to be Christians do. they just think the Ten Commandments are suggestions thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal uh thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, all that stuff you know uh they 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 just think their suggestions, they don't have to pay any attention to that. Because after all, I say Jesus is Lord and everything's fine. So anyway, you must repent from your sin. And Jesus himself said that. So repent and believe. You find that over and over again in the scripture. Repent and believe. Turn from your sin. And uh, But there's people that think, oh, they just get a free ride, a free ticket to uh, heaven. And they don't have to do any repenting or anything Involved with that ten, you must not deny that Jesus came in the flesh, and there's your verses on that. But uh, the the point here is that Jesus really did come as a human being, as a as a man. Like I said before, a hundred percent man, hundred percent God, all in one. And uh, therefore, if you deny that, then you're taking away from his personhood as a man which gives him the right to actually pay for our sins as humans he had to be a human himself to compensate for us and that's how it works if you deny that then you're you're not in the christian faith whether you claim to be or not okay now looking at this last one number 11 it really ties into all the rest of it it really does if you don't have this last one It's like all the other ones are interconnected. You're not in the Christian faith. Because the last one says, you must love the true and biblical God. You must love God to even be able to do all this other stuff and do it correctly. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, In fact, let me go to that right now. Matthew 22, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt... Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And of course, the cross reference you already know about, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, also Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I think Dr. Geisler left that one out, number 11 that I have on my list at least, uh, where the love of God plays into all this. Unless you have absolute maximum love, like Jesus just stated, your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, everything, all out. It's, you know, if you're a poker player, all my chips are in. Push the whole pile of chips in there and say, I'm all in. Uh, you got to sell out for Jesus, sell out for God all the way. It's all or nothing. And that's, the bottom line and when it comes to that love that you must have then doing all these other things and believing these other essential doctrines is easy because <laughs> you you love the word of god the inspired word of god you love it you love god you want to know all about god and you want to do what god's saying i mean it just I mean, still, we're sinners. We're going to have trouble, obviously. I mean, we're all going to blow it. But when you have the power of the Holy Spirit within your life, Romans chapter 8 really makes all that clear. The Spirit within us testifies that we are the sons of God. And you've got that, that personal relationship with God through the Holy Spirit in your life. That love is just there. And you're going to roll with it the whole time you're on this planet. I mean, I got born again on May 16th, 1981, and I've never been the same since. And uh, I, I've i done videos about that already. Uh, uh, I've got one that's interesting. I married a, a, a born and raised Roman Catholic, and I talk about how I got born again in the middle of that marriage, and it really wreaked havoc because then I realized that Roman Catholicism didn't have the right gospel, and that really caused a lot of friction there. Uh, but if you want to see more about that, check out that video. You can see it on your screen there. Okay, so now we have covered the basis uh, on the essentials of the Christian faith. You must, you must follow these biblical truths in order to even consider yourself to be a Christian. You know, uh, and that love, like I just talked about, has to come from being born again. You must be born again, Jesus said in John chapter three, verse three through eight and accompanying verses, particularly Romans chapter eight, as I mentioned a minute ago. And there's plenty other to go with that, but it's the Holy spirit within you. And uh, if, if you're not born again, there's no way that you're going to make it because uh, I believe it's first uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 that says the, the the natural man does not understand the things of God, neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. So right there, that verse tells you, and there's plenty more where that came from. As uh, even Dr. Geisler's pamphlet was telling you about human depravity, things of that nature. So you must be born again. You must... Be brought to your knees to Christ. In my case, that night, I, I was reading on the scripture, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And I was dodging bullets there as I was going through those verses about what it's going to be like in the last days. Lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Uh, unthankful, proud, boastful. And I'm sitting there sweating it out and going, well, I do some of that, you know? But I got that last one, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. And when I got to that verse, that's where the Holy Spirit, in my case, came down and convicted me of my sins said, you're lost. You're lost. All my religion I had all my years didn't do me a bit of good because I was using that as the cover to hide so I could do all my sinning, all the evil I was doing Uh, because I thought, I can do all this and I'll be fine uh so keep that in mind well with that uh check out our youtube channel uh check out uh, the end there it tells you how to subscribe there's a little uh bell emblem you can hit and uh when you hit the bell up above it'll automatically give you updates whenever our channel puts a new youtube video up so you first hit the subscribe button then hit the bell up above and uh you can subscribe to our channel. So that way, if there's ever a, uh, another video, whenever we put one up, you'll automatically know about it and then you can check it out. But we do have over hundred video, videos on our channel and uh, we try, stay busy and try to keep after this. So we've been doing video here since uh, uh, 19... I, I started as a cable access TV producer in 1985. So we've been doing video for a long time. <laughs> So, and we have no plans to stop either until the Lord's ready to call us home. So anyway, join us again for another program of Christian Answers. I'm Larry Wessels, the director of Christian Answers. I want to thank you for being with us today. And don't forget, uh, John fourteen six, Jesus said, and now we have a good understanding after this show. If you watch this show from the beginning to end, you have a much better understanding of who Jesus is, right? <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me, he said. So don't forget that. It's very important. The Jesus of the Bible, not all these other fake Jesuses, but the Jesus of the Holy Word of God said that. Believe in him and thou shalt be saved. Thank you again. Join us again next time. God bless you all. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.